بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لصدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما آمين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أهلا وسهلا ومرحبا بكم Welcome back to Hajj Journey of the Hearts with myself Malina Irshad Siddiq your host for this Hajj series in which we explore the journey of the Hujjaj trying to get into the issues in terms of our spirit as well as in terms of learning the lessons that they learn along the way of this sacred journey. The lessons pertaining to life, the lessons pertaining to spiritual development, and of course the lessons pertaining to Islamic law, our sacred sharia. In this particular episode, we are joining the Hujjaj as they journey away from Madinat al-Munawwara towards Makkah al-Mukarramah. And then our own personal journeys also starts aligning itself with Hajj because we are now at the end of the month of Dhul-Qa'da and that means we are approaching very quickly the beginning of Dhul-Hijjah. That means that not only are we close to Eid al-Adha but we are also close to the events leading up to Eid al-Adha which, which are inevitably the Hajj and this is now the pinnacle for the Hujjaj. It's not about what happened before this, it's not about the time in Medina. It's not about the journey from Medina to Mecca. It's about the first 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah. Those are the days in which they plant their feet firmly in the ground, their souls to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they render their hearts before their Lord to prepare themselves for that day where they would be enacting what's going to take place in the day of Qiyamah by presenting themselves on the plains of Arafah. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. So we were in Madinat al-Munawwara in the previous episode. The day that one needs to depart Madinat al-Munawwara is, without having to say so, an extremely sad day. In fact, the character may be a bittersweet day. Bitter because we have to depart from the city of the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam and depart from the tranquility of Al-Madina Al-Munawwara, depart from the safety and the peace and the comfort of Masjid Al-Nabawi and the companionship of the greatest of the Sahaba, Ridwanullahi Ta'ala alayhim ajma'een. And that's very bitter. We shed tears at that moment, not only because we are leaving Medina, but because of that fearful thought that we may never return. We may never have that opportunity to once again say Assalamu alayka ya Rasulallah while standing right in the presence of the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Our own community, of course, we have our own rituals. Other than what we find in the books in terms of greeting the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam and the Sahaba, we also have our most beloved salawat, our most beloved prayers for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. These prayers such as the ashraqal and the salawat and salam that we recite on Fridays and that which we recite on a Thursday night, etc. All of these prayers, they resound in our hearts in Medina because 
you know, while we recited them throughout our lives, when we are in Medina, they take on a new meaning because now it is as though we can put a face to a name. Only in this case, it's not a face that we put into a name, but a feeling that we are putting to words. It's the sights and sounds of Medina that spring to heart. And when one boards that bus again to say, for the very final time, Salam, Ya Salam, we find that one cannot contain the tears, one cannot hold it back, even though we are looking forward to the sweet part of the journey, the tears just flow as we depart from that green dome and it becomes smaller and smaller in the distance and we ready ourselves for the journey ahead. And of course, the journey ahead is the sweet part. So yes, we are saddened to leave Medina to Munawara, but our hearts and our souls are delighted because we are going to Makkah al-Mukarramah, the hub of Islam, the mother city, that Ummul Qura. Yes, Cape Town may be the mother city in one sense, but Makkah is the mother of cities because it was named as such by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The hustle and bustle of Makkah is very different to the, the tranquil, serene nature of Medina. And often people mistake the hustle and bustle and busyness and they say, you know what, I miss Medina. But wallahi, there's so much to look forward to in the sacred city of Makkah. And how does one prepare for this journey from Makkah to Medina? Well, first things first, the day of departure, our hujjaj, they go to their hotel rooms for the probably final time and they perform their ghusl. Now this ghusl is potentially the first time they're performing this ghusl to enter into the state of ihram. And as Imam al-Ghazali explains in Asrarul Hajj, washing yourself for this garment, these clothings, the, these items of clothing that one dons, you know, the white clothes that we wear, this ghusl is like the ghusl that will take place on our bodies when we depart from this world that our family members will do for us. And donning that ihram is tantamount to donning one's own kafan. To the extent that if you should pass away in the state of ihram, you pass away in the very clothes that you'll be buried in, subhanallah. But it is not in the hotels, nor in the rooms, nor in Medina itself that our hujjaj enter into the state of ihram. They don the clothes, they prepare their bodies, they prepare themselves as best as they can, trimming the nails, getting rid of any excess hair, following the sunnah to the best of their ability, applying perfume, yes, because they're not in ihram yet, they're just wearing its clothing. They remove anything that's not permissible in the state of ihram. They remind themselves of the rules and regulations pertaining to ihram, that their spouse, who is for all intents and purposes completely halal for them, while they are in the state of ihram, they would refrain from engaging in any intimate relations with their spouse. So they're reminded of these rules and regulations and they depart from Medina, tears flowing, hearts in pain, yearning for Makkah, longing for Medina and before they know it, they arrive at Dhul Hulayfa. We know it as Bir Ali, but this is the place where our beloved Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam himself entered into the state of Ihram and they went from, from Medina to Munawara to Makkah al-Mukarramah. At this very same place, albeit somewhat different in terms of its infrastructure, presents itself to us. 
these humble servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we continue with our journey right after this break, insha'Allah. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ba'd. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. Welcome back to Hajj, Journey of the Hearts. I'm your host, Malana Irshad Siddiq. And our hujjaj have left Madinatul Munawwara. Very, very shortly outside of the borders of Medina, so to speak, we reach Dhul Hulayfa. It happens to be one of the furthest, if not the furthest, uh, mawaqit um, or borders of the Haram, over which one cannot cross. If one intends to perform Umrah, then you cannot cross this boundary without entering into the state of Ihram. So generally, the buses stop at Dhul Hulayfa. The Hujjaj, they get the chance to... Uh, go inside the masjid that's built there. For those of them who need to renew their wudu or perhaps freshen up in some way or the other, they may do so. It is then advised to pray two rakats of salah. This can be any form of salah, tahiyat al-masjid, or if you happen to reach there at the time of a waqt, then of course the musafirun, the travelers, would perform the salah accordingly. But it is at this point that one enters into a state of complete humility. Having donned these clothes that no matter how hard your heart may be, will soften you up completely and render you into submission before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the bigger and the king, royalty and rags, everyone looks exactly the same. And it's quite a miraculous thing to witness. I've seen this on the plane, for example, when going straight to Mecca and people done the ihram in the plane. One moment we see everyone, we see their cultures, we see their backgrounds, we see their appearance. You can tell from what they are wearing and the way they look, where they come from. And then they go into the bathroom and they come out and you lose all of that identity because now you just become a muharim, somebody in the state of ihram presenting themselves before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the hujjaj collect their thoughts, they prepare themselves mentally, spiritually. Usually we offer some words of advice at this moment, that we are entering into this state as though we are being carried in our kafang, in our uh, shrouds for death, being taken with the angels, being taken with the modus uh, of the mode of transport of the of the afterlife would be the angels in in this world. It's just replaced with a bus, but we are being taken to Allah. And this journey reminds us that one day we will have such a journey, but there will be no return. There will be no going home after that. And this journey here is in preparation for that journey there. But now, before the hujjaj actually get into the state of ihram, it's important for all of us not on the journey of Hajj, listening to this right now, to realize that we are a few days away from the best days of the year. And let it, let it be absolutely clear in our hearts and minds that Hajj is on Arafah. But the spirituality contained within the time of the year, the Zaman that we are in, is for every single Muslim. And what time of the year is that? It's a time of the year that Allah Ta'ala takes an oath by in the Qur'an. Allah says, بَعْدَ أَنْ أَقُولَ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ وَالْفَجْرِ وَلَيَالِ نَعْشِرِ 
by the dawn and by the ten nights. And the Mufassirun explained that these ten nights here are in reference to the ten days of the month of Dhul Hijjah, which is the first ten days of the month, and we are about to enter into that time zone right now. And just like there are rules and regulations pertaining to the Hujjaj, similarly, there are very important facts, rules and regulations that would apply to us that we need to be aware of. For example, the Prophet ﷺ is reported in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari, narrated by Abdullah ibn Abbas to have said, مَا مِنْ أَيَّامٍ الْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحُ فِيهَا أَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَيَّامِ الْعَشِرِ There are no days in which righteous deeds are more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in them than these ten days. قالوا, the Sahaba asked, and rightfully so, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَلَا الْجِهَادِ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ O Messenger of Allah, but what about jihad in the way of Allah, striving in Allah's cause? Right, where one's life is at risk for a cause that is not a selfish one, that is purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet والسلام, responded and said, الْجِهَادُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا رَجُلٌ خَرَجَ بِنَفْسِهِ وَمَالِهِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَرْجِعْ مِنْ ذَلِكَ بِشَيْءٍ Not even striving in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can compare to a simple small, minor deed, if we dare call it that, done during these 10 days, the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as strange as that may sound, this means that saying one subhanallah, saying one astaghfirullah, giving one date in charity, during the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, is weightier in reward by Allah and more beloved to Allah azza wa jal than any deeds that we can do during any other time of the days in the year. Yes, the best nights of the year are the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan. For in the last 10 nights, as uh, Ibn Rajab al-Hambali indicates, in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, of course, we have Laylatul Qadr. And for that reason, the last 10 nights are the most significant nights. But as for the days, scholars are unanimous that the most important and the most significant days for a Muslim in the entire lunar year, Islamic lunar year, are the first 10 days of the month of Dhul Hijjah. For in these days we have the Hajj. And the pinnacle of the Hajj, we have the 9th of Dhul Hijjah, what we refer to as Yawmi Arafah. So during this time period, as the Hujjaj are entering into the state, into the state of Ihram for their journey, we don't enter into a state of Ihram. But as I'm sure we are all familiar with by now, anyone intending to perform the Qurban, which is a recommendation for every Muslim who can afford to do so, some regard it as being wajib, right? But it is sunnah for everyone who can afford to do so to offer a sacrifice on the day of Eid al-Adha. And for anyone offering that sacrifice on the day of Eid al-Adha, while they don't enter into a state of ihram, they also enter into a no-go zone where they're not allowed to clip their nails or trim their hair and this is somewhat in line with what the hujaj will be going through when they enter into the state of, of ihram subhanallah so what happens next whose journey goes ahead ours or the hujaj you'll find out 
after this break, inshallah. Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Once again, welcome back to Hajj Journey of the Heart. I'm still your host, Malana Irshad Siddiq. And we spoke about the commencement of the journey of our Hujjaj from Medina to Mecca. And also our own journeys, for we are all entering into a sacred time space. And that time space is the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. Both journeys commence from here. For those who intend, the Prophet said, إِذَا دَخَلَ الْعَشَرُ وَأَرَادَ أَحَدُكُمْ أَن يُضَحِيَ فَلَا يَأْخُذْ مِنْ شَعْرِهِ وَلَا مِنْ أَظْفَارِهِ شَيْئًا حَتَّى يُضَحِي Whosoever intends to perform the Udduhiya, or the Qurban as we call it, then when the ten days of the Hijjah enters, they should not take off their hair nor of their nails at all until the sacrifice has been offered. So, for anyone who thinks that they've been left behind and that they wish they could attend and uh, perform the Hajj rather, or perhaps those who wanted to and couldn't because of the quota or because of the price, or just for the person who doesn't even think that it's possible, know that there's an element of the Hajj for each and every one of us. Those performing the Hajj, they get the cream of the crop. But for the rest of us, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses us, encompasses us all. So the Hujjaj stand at Dhul Hulayfa. And they say, La bayka Allahumma umratan. And they say the intentions and they pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you see grown men cry. And you see people getting ready for the journeys of their lives. And of course, enthusiastically, everyone starts chanting, Labbaik Allahumma labbaik. لبيك لا شريك لك لبيك إن الحمد والنعمة لك والملك لا شريك لك يا أعم أو الله يا أعم يا أعم أو الله يا أعم There is no partner for you O Allah يا أعم Indeed إن الحمد all the praise والنعمة all the favors والملك and the entire kingdom is for you, O Allah. La sharika lak, there's no partner unto you. Labbaik, Allahumma labbaik. Ya, I am, O Allah. Ya, I am. May Allah grant us all the opportunity to utter these words in true reality with full feeling at His sacred house. Ameen, Ya Rabbal Alameen. So Ahujaj then board the buses and if this is their first time, then they wouldn't be away at this stage just yet that it's quite a journey ahead, right? Sometimes the journey can be a bit faster, perhaps six hours, and sometimes much slower, up to 12 hours. But regardless of what happens on this journey, somehow or the other, everyone gets tested. Because the moment you enter into the sacred state of Ihram, the instant you enter into that state, the tests really come. Because if there's, if there's one being who's dissatisfied with what we are busy with at this moment in time, then that being is shaitan. And he will do anything and everything in his power to ruin our state of ihram. And it is for this reason that even though none of us should commit sin or engage in any illicit behavior, specifically for the hujjaj, Allah says, فَمَنْ فَرَضَ فِيهِنَّ الْحَجَّ فَلَا رَفَثَ وَلَا فُسُوقَ وَلَا جِدَالَ فِي الْحَجَّ Whosoever intends to perform hajj in the sacred months, then they should abstain from any illicit behavior, anything related to zina or talking about it. 
They should abstain from sin. Shouldn't we all abstain from sin? Yes, of course, but Allah knows at the moment the hujjaj take a step closer to Allah, shaitan ramps up his game. And there shouldn't be any argumentations in the hajj. So this journey is generally going to be an arduous one. Whether the bus breaks down or the air conditioning breaks or you know, a plethora of other things that could potentially take place. But for the hujjaj who prepared themselves not only with money and with material preparations, but those who prepared themselves with spiritual preparation, such as taqwa Allah and sabr, they are ready for anything. And I remember my teacher giving me advice when performing my fard hajj and he, he told me, uh, he knows that these are the words of a famous martial artist, but the words ring true. He said, be like water. Be like water. Water flows. If water gets into a container that's round, it becomes round. If water gets into a container that's square, it becomes square. Water flows. Be like water. And this is the nature of the journey. So even with the enthusiasm of the labaik or the talbiya as it is formally called, one becomes tired. And the fatigue that one experiences is natural. There's no problem with becoming tired. So the sunnah is that whenever the journey takes a different feeling or a different mode, for example, if you're going steady, once you start going uphill to start the talbiya again, then going downhill, start the talbiya again. If you come to a stop somewhere, start the talbiya again. If you depart from that stop, again, start the talbiyah. So every change that happens is a reminder for us to re-engage with labbaik Allahumma labbaik. Can you really say labbaik Allahumma labbaik for 12 hours straight? For those who manage it, mashaAllah. For those who cannot, the best advice is rather go and sleep. Find your rest because you are about to enter into a physically challenging time which is the completion of your Umrah under the conditions of being quite fatigued. Most of the time, the hujjaj are too excited to get true rest in this journey. Some are afraid of perhaps contravening the laws of ihram. But your energy is required because as you enter into Makkah, the spiritual activity will naturally start up again. And far be it for Capetonians to enter into a mode like Umrah and going into Makkah without the spirit of dhikrullah, rejuvenating our minds and souls so that we can get ready as a collective unit to undertake our Umrah for the sake of Allah. Before long, subhanallah, the hujjaj see the lights of Makkah. They see the buildings of Makkah. They see the hustle and bustle of Makkah. Some unfortunate things as well, such as this huge tall clock tower that some people find impressive. But if it does anything good, then it's to indicate that right next to it is the Kaaba, because this clock tower can be seen from very far away. Hujaj then know, we've arrived. But when I step my foot outside of this bus, I step my foot onto the land of Makkah, that land that when the Prophet ﷺ had to leave, he turned back and he said to Makkah, Oh Makkah, had it not been for your people who have expelled me, I would never have left you. Subhanallah. The same Makkah 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about in the Quran, about the haram specifically, وَمَنْ دَخَلَهُ كَانَ آمِنًا Whosoever enters it, whosoever enters it will find the peace and safety and tranquility there. The same Makkah, that no matter where you go in the world, you have to turn to its direction. فَأَيْنَمَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطَرَةً Wherever you may be, turn your faces towards its direction. That is our Qibla. That is أَوَّلَ بَيْتٍ وُضِعَ لِلنَّاسِ the first house that has ever been placed for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, this is the house of Allah. But no, the hujaj don't go straight to the, the haram, they don't go straight to the Kaaba. They go straight, generally speaking, to get some paperwork done before they go into the city itself. And then after the paperwork, they get escorted to the various hotels and they have to settle in. Now, while some people may think that, okay, my Umrah is going to take place right now, most of the time, it's advisable to take some time to get some rest, to rejuvenate, maybe even take a shower, which is, of course, perfectly permissible, as long as you observe all the rules of ihram. No perfumed um, cleaning materials, etc. No items of clothing that is considered, you know, stitched, closed clothing. You don't change anything as far as your uh, your covering of the head and things like that, the rules need to be maintained. So all of the rules and regulations we learn about as far as haram is concerned and the differences of those between men and women, those need to be observed. Most importantly, of course, if you are going to be sleeping or spending the night first and then going to perform the umrah, to remember that the husband and wife are not allowed to have any form of intimate uh, relations. Most of the time, after a couple of hours, our hujaj are ready to go for their umrah. A time is given, a meeting point is established, and a group leader is generally there. Subhanallah, I'm just thinking back to the number of groups that I had the privilege of leading in this experience. And the one thing that amazes me every single time is the look of wonder on the faces of these pilgrims. No one can really know the story behind each and every haji. But there are certain things that we all have in common. The one, we all are here because we love Allah. Number two, we have all sacrificed a lot to be here. Number three, we've gone through many challenges and we had to overcome many challenges by the permission and power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get to this point. Then, of course, above all else, is the fact that year before you stands the chosen group, the group that has inevitably been chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be his guests for the hajj. And you can, you can see the honor that is bestowed upon these people just by looking at their faces, subhanAllah. And then we walk towards the Kaaba. But of course, we know that the Kaaba is encompassed by the Masjid itself. So as we approach the Masjid al-Haram, we are reminded that when we enter into the Masjid, we enter with our right foot. So the Hujjaj are told to take their shoes off, get them into the bag so that they can prepare themselves. And because this moment, as Imam Ghazali explains, is akin to the moment where we inevitably enter into Jannah after all the trials and tribulations of the grave, 
of the checking of the questions in the grave, of the difficulties of the grave. May Allah make our graves easy for us. Then of the waiting period in the barzakh, in the grave. And then eventually, after going through all of that, we get to enter into Jannah. Allahu Akbar. Enter it with peace. And when we enter, we say, Bismillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, Allahumma aftahli abawaba rahmatik. In the name of Allah, traces peace, blessings and salutations upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Oh Allah, open up for me the doors of your mercy. And you enter it, bisalam, reciting Allahumma anta salam oh Allah, you are the perfect, free of all defects. Wa minka salam from you is peace. وَإِلَيْكَ يَرْجِعُ السَّلَامُ To you and only unto you returns all peace. وَأَدْخِلْنَا الْجَنَّةَ دَارَ السَّلَامُ Oh Allah, enter us into the Jannah, the abode of peace. تَبَارَكْتَ رَبَّنَا وَتَعَالَيْتْ يَا ذَا الْجَلَالِ وَالْكْرَامِ Blessed are you and most high, O possessor of honor, O possessor of majesty. We approach and I instruct the hujjaj at this point because of the overwhelming sensation of emotions and everything that they've been told about the first moment they see the Kaaba, that it's best to remain focused, that we stay straight down into the ground so as to not be distracted by the decor of the masjid itself, the various nations and the colors that they are wearing and the security. A lot of these things can become very overwhelming, the bright lights, etc. But to remain focused, and to keep one's heart and mind in complete control as you enter, to just look down and have somebody guide you to a place where you can safely stand and take a moment, because this moment is a moment that you'll remember for the rest of your life. And as Imam al-Ghazali explains, that when you enter into Jannah, that what can possibly be greater than entering into Jannah? Of course, there are gifts in Jannah. There are many gifts in the Haram as well. But the ultimate gift of Jannah is that moment when Allah grants us the ultimate privilege that is beyond our comprehension, which is to look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, the closest we can come to this, is the moment where we first lay eyes on the Kaaba. Not that looking at the Kaaba is the same as looking at Allah but nothing in the world can offer a similar understanding to what we may experience on that day than this moment. Subhanallah. Wujuhu yawma nadirah ila rabbiha nadirah. Faces on that day will be illuminated as they look upon their noble Lord, Allahu Akbar. And at this point, we don't go into long du'as, Arabic du'as that nobody understands. Rather, at this point, all the hujjaj just go silent and they have personal communication with Allah. And it's difficult to explain what it's like to experience that. But it's also difficult to explain what it's like to observe other people experiencing that. And alhamdulillah, having seen hundreds of hujjaj going through this moment, I can safely say, that it is one of the best moments of any human being's life. And it's a moment that you'll never ever forget. So we don't rush the moment. We ask 
that people pour their hearts out and speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And while there's no authentic narration or any form of trace of uh, scripture that explains that the moment you look at the Kaaba is a mustajab dua, it's a belief that has gone down from generation to generation that is quite well substantiated because the spiritual elevation and closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that one feels at that moment is unlike any other. And there's no doubt in my mind that because one is so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time, not in terms of physical distance, but in terms of spiritual closeness, therefore, it is one of the best times to give your all in terms of the way you speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to come there with a shopping list, oh Allah, give me this and give me that and do this and do that. No, but to come to Allah as a humble servant and to beg Allah by presenting yourself as a weak, sinning slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and singing Allah's praises. What do I mean by that? I mean glorify Him with the best of words that you possibly can. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then beg Him as a humble servant. And then of course the group makes dua and they commence their walk towards Baytullah al-Haram, the Kaaba. And now the Talbiyah has to stop because when they get to the Hajr al-Aswad and they cross that uh, marker, there's no longer a line on the tiles, there's just a green marker and the Hajr al-Aswad. They turn, they make the niyyah and they say, Bismillahi Allahu Akbar. Just pointing towards the Hajr al-Aswad and starting their tawaf. And we will continue with this tawaf after the break, inshallah. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ba'd. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan bikum. Welcome back to Hajj, Journey of the Heart. I'm your host, Manana Irshad Siddiq. And we've been looking at the journey of our Hujjaj from Medina to Makkatul Mukarrama. They've now commenced the Umrah, the Umrah of the Hajj. This is the most important Umrah for them, especially for those who are performing the first Hajj of their lives. Because even if they've performed Umrah before, this Umrah is the Umrah connected to the Hajj, right? This is the Umrah that because they can perform it and finish it and then become a resident in Mecca and then re-enter into Ihram for Hajj from Mecca, they have to pay a dam for that privilege. This is that Umrah. And this Umrah also coincides for most people with the first experience of the Haram. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear in the Quran that we will be witness to many things. So that they may witness the benefits for them. But most importantly, to remember the name of Allah. And this happens in that ocean, that cycle of the tawaf. I call it the ocean because if one stands on the roof of the haram and you look down and you just see this wave of people just going around, this never-ending cycle, going around and around. When you see this from a distance, it's very difficult to imagine what it feels like to actually be there. And it is here um, more than before where the etiquettes of the haji need to be observed. Why do I say year more than before? Because throughout the journey, from the time you take on the niyyah of becoming a, a hajj or a hajja, right? Hajji or hajja. That's the time where you need to adopt change. 
And the change that you need to adopt is that I'm not just going to do this physical ibadah, but my character needs to reflect the ibadah that I'm busy with. That when I get to Mecca or when I get to Medina even, if things go wrong, if people harm me, if my rights were usurped, if my deal that I made with my agent didn't go well, etc., I need to take control of the situation and make sure things are set right, but I need to do so in the most beautiful of ways because I'm a guest of Allah. And the same thing applies when one arrives in Mecca. It's very important, even more so because now you're in Haram and a lot of things could potentially go wrong. It's not about what happens. It's about how we respond to what happens. But when we enter into the Haram, we are now not only the guests of Allah, but we are the guests of Allah at Allah's house. And around us, there are hundreds and thousands of guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as much as we would like to be protected, so too Allah wants for his other guests to be protected. So it is at this point that one becomes ultra aware of not pushing and shoving and harming other people. And unfortunately, many of the things that we learn about are not possible in a very practical sense, such as praying behind the Maqami Ibrahim or kissing the Hajr al-Aswad, you know, at every single round and touching the Ruknul Yamani and so on and so forth. But my advice, if this is your first Hajj or if you are going to, you know, perf- uh, perform and fulfill your first Hajj, then just go with the flow. Make sure you have a reliable leader who's going to make sure that everyone can do and will do what they must do. But don't be too concerned with, we didn't fulfill this thing and we didn't fulfill that thing if they are sunnah things, because it's not always possible. But be that as it may, to witness the tawaf and to feel what it's like to be in that tawaf with those people is two different things. For my own personal experience, the one overwhelming feeling that tawaf brings about in one's heart is humility. And it makes perfect sense because just like we go around that Kaaba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a Baytul Ma'mur, a symbolic Kaaba or a representation of the Kaaba in the heavens. And the angels make tawaf around that Kaaba. It's not symbolic because it's real but it symbolizes the Kaaba of this world or the Kaaba of this world symbolizes it. And 70,000 malaika make tawaf around that Kaaba. They get one shot and they never get to return. And this happens from the beginning of time till the end of time. And there are many narrations and understandings and wisdoms as to why the malaika make tawaf. One interesting one is that they are in humility forever having questioned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about the creation of Nabi Adam, which is an interesting theory, but be be that as it may. Why I say humility is that when you are part of such a huge number of people, all doing the same thing, all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's miraculous that my Rabb hears everyone, but he also hears me. It's miraculous that my Rabb is in control of everyone, but he's also in control of me. It's miraculous that I thought in my life I could be a someone or something or that I stand out in some way or the other. Here, I'm just literally, okay, not literally, but in a very real sense, I'm a drop in the metaphoric ocean. Subhanallah. That sense of humility is uh, something that, that doesn't come by very easily on a day-to-day basis. 
but it exists in the tawaf. It exists in the tawaf and it exists in the sa'i. And at this point, the movement of the hujjaj from the tawaf to the sa'i, it's a lot to take in. But every single moment is one to cherish. Just to look at one of those moments is the drinking of the zamzam water. Subhanallah. You've drank zamzam many times before. But when drinking zamzam on this occasion, it's different. Because now it's the first time you're drinking zamzam in Makkatul Mukarramah. And you imagine Sayyida Hajar والسلام, running up where you are standing, going to Safa, running to Marwa, going back and going faster in between what is now called the Green Mile area and looking frantically for water. And now, you know, thousands of years later, the Samzam is available all over the show. And you are one of the guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gets to drink of this amazing water and pray to Allah and look at the Kaaba, subhanallah. This uh, journey reminds one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is the one that we subservient to. We are always and only subservient to Allah. And every little favor, a sip of water, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of coolness, depending on the, on the weather, of course, the ability to sit down, the ability to just rest a little bit. Every single normal daily function is something that you think about in a different way. It's like you've been wearing a pair of spectacles that tints everything a certain color and for the first time you've now taken these spectacles off and you see the reality of life for what it really is. You see the value of dunya. You see the value of the job you have in the car you drive in the house you, you've worked so hard for and you wonder, subhanallah, have I really, have I really lived my life with my priorities straight? And it is for this reason, which we'll talk about it another time, inshallah, that so many hujjaj come back from hajj and they want to resign from their jobs. Not because they want to give up the dunya entirely, but because they see life differently. When we come back after the break, inshallah ta'ala, we'll conclude. Barakallahu fikum. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, wa ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back. We have journeyed with the hujjaj from Medina to Mecca. We've entered into the haram together. We've looked at the Kaaba together. We've traversed around the Kaaba for the tawaf. Then performed the two rakats sunnah after the tawaf in a place that's convenient where we won't be inconveniencing others as well and ideally somewhere behind the Maqami Ibrahim if possible. Usually it's not, but we can go perhaps a distance behind it. Then we drank of the well of Zamzam. Of course, it's no longer a well, but we drank of the water. And then we proceed to Safa and Marwa and we complete the rituals of Umrah there, praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after each shout, you know, each round between Safa and Marwa. And then what we call defalosing or coming out of the state of Ihram by shaving the heads. And of course, we want to be from the males at least, from among those who shave their heads. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ prayed three times for those who shave their heads and once for those who trim their hair. But be that as it may, we get out of the state of Ihram and now we take our space as the residents of the mother city and the mother of all cities, Makkatul Mukarramah. 
we turn and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, you are the master of all of creation. You are the most merciful. The most merciful to everything in existence and the especially merciful to the believers. Oh Allah, you created everything from nothing. Oh Allah, you grant sustenance to everything in existence for everything in existence relies upon you just to live. Oh Allah, you need nothing and no one for you are perfect, completely unique and absolutely independent. Oh Allah, we are your humble servants coming to you as humble servants. We have no one to turn to and we have no power except through you, Ya Rabbal Alameen. Oh Allah, we beg of you to send your choices, peace, blessings and salutations upon our master and example Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam upon his family, upon his companions and upon all of those who follow in his beloved footsteps until the end of time. Oh Allah, allow us all to receive of his intercession on the day of Qiyamah. Ya Rabbal Alameen, accept the Hajj of our Hujjaj. Ya Rabb, accept the du'as that are made for our Hujjaj. O oh Allah, be with our Hujjaj through every single step of their journey. Through the journey from Medina to Mecca, the entry into Mecca, the settling into Mecca, the first time they enter into the Haram, when they look at that Kaaba, Ya Rabb, and they pray for this entire Ummah, for themselves and their families and the children and all of our futures, Ya Allah, please accept their du'as and accept our du'as for them and accept their du'as for us as well. Oh Allah, allow that moment to be a life-changing moment for each and every one of them, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and allow us to benefit from that moment as well. Ya Allah, we ask all of you, we ask for all of us, Ya Rabbil Alameen, we ask of you to take us to Mecca, to Medina, for Hajj, for Umrah, again and again and again. Oh Allah, open up the route for us, make it easy for us. Allow us to overcome the challenges that are placed before us, Oh Allah, Grant us sustenance that's beneficial for us and allow our sustenance that we have to be blessed so that we too can reach that sacred journey. Oh Allah, be with our hujjaj and grant them their health and their strength, their iman and the taqwa and the knowledge that they need to fulfill this journey with complete excellence. Ya Rabbal Alameen. Oh Allah, for all of our hujjaj that have departed already, keep them safe. For those who have to, for those who have to depart from this moment onwards, keep them safe. Oh Allah, for those who are already there and they are settled in and they are looking forward to the Hajj, oh Allah, we beg of you, keep them safe, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and grant them all a Hajj Maqbool, Hajj Mabroor, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, for all of us who are entering now into the last few days of the month of Dhul Qa'da, the sacred month of Hajj, and thereafter into the pinnacle of the days of the year. For a, for a Muslim, the 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, O oh Allah, allow us all to be spiritually ready to make the most of this time, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, as we have made the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan sacred and we've benefited from it and we've made dua to you therein and we prayed to you therein and we worshipped you therein, O oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq, Ya Rabb, to do the same for the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. Grant us the tawfiq to fast to give charity, to read Qur'an, to stand in prayer. Oh Allah, allow us to make the most of the time that you've given us, the best 10 days of the year. Oh Allah, your beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam had declared that there is no time in the year where any good deed is more beloved to you than a simple good deed done during the first 10 days of the Hijjah. Oh Allah, 
we beg of you to, to allow all of us to do abundance of goodness during the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. Enrich our souls and our lives with your love, with the love of your Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and with the love of those actions that will lead us to your love. Oh Allah, we beg of you for all of us, our children, our progeny, our offspring, our future offspring, oh Allah, for the generations to come. Ya Allah, we ask you for our parents and our forefathers and all the people who had contributed to our well-being and being Muslim today. Ya Rabbi, ask of you for the entire ummah. We beg of you, in fact, Ya Rabbil Alameen, for we are beggars before your mercy and your majesty. O oh Allah, grant us all the best of this world and the best of the world you're after and save us from the fires of Jahannam. Ya Arhamar Rahimeen, forgive us of our sins, Ya Allah. Forgive us of our mountains of sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, as much as the sins that you've ever forgiven on Arafah, we beg of you to forgive all of those sins on our behalf as well, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us khair and barakah in our lives, in our health, in our wealth, in our families. And O oh Allah, we beg of you to grant us a death with iman in our hearts and the shahada on our tongues that we may be resurrected with the best of the best. And O oh Allah, allow the last day of our lives to be the best day of our lives, for that is the day that we meet you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad, subhanallahi wa bihamdi. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته